Welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, and I edit films and scripted TV shows in Hollywood. I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program to help aspiring editors start or advance their careers in post-production. I don't have any training in coaching or some fancy degree in psychology. I'm just a guy who is relentless in pursuing his goals and wants to help people do the same. But I didn't achieve happiness and success in my career alone. Throughout the years, I've come across some amazing people that have offered valuable advice and guidance. That's why I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program, to help people navigate the path to achieving their career goals. I've been in your shoes and gone through the same struggles. The challenges and fears on this journey are real. And I want to tell you, it is possible. Hola, ¿qué tal? Bienvenidos. Welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Uh, thanks for being here. And yeah, you know, I'm just letting you know, every once in a while, I'm going to throw in some, some Spanish lessons in there. So, you know, just, just, just putting it out there. Be ready. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Uh, got a great guest uh, today here on the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Editor Mark Dashna is here. And, uh, you know, Mark has edited on both comedic and dramatic projects, including feature films, scripted and reality television series and documentaries. He's an Emmy-nominated editor for his work on Hot in Cleveland and a member of the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. He is also a member of the Motion Picture Editors Guild and serves on their LGBTQ plus diversity steering committee. Mark is an advocate of mentoring and is always willing to share his knowledge. So very excited to hear what advice he'll provide today. Okay, guys, here we go. Episode four. Things are moving along here on the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Got a great, fun, informative episode today with editor Mark Dashna. Mark, good to finally see your face. Yeah. I know we've been communicating a lot through Messenger and text, uh, so you know it's good to finally sit down and, and talk. Uh, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Good to have uh, my, my coffee this morning with you. Have a, a nice little chat here on, a, on this beautiful Sunday morning. I look fantastic. It's too bad this is audio. <laughs> well, no. I got the lighting. It's all going on. I'm sorry to I'm sorry to disappoint you when I told you that this is audio only. But <laughs> I, at least I, I got your profile pic and they will see that and it's a great picture. Yeah, well, you know, that'll have to do. <laughs> <laughs> good man. Hey, it's good, good to have you here on the Hollywood Editing Mentor podcast. Um I mean I mean we've we've been talking a little bit about uh mentoring and 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 you know uh I, it was great to see you participating on that afternoon tea session. You had some great questions. I think uh, it sounds like mentoring is important to you um, from the little bit that we've talked about. And so kind of want to discuss that more today. And there's a lot of things to talk about. You have some great advice. I mean, from, from the chats that we've had, I know you, you have a lot of knowledge to share. But uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I, I want to know more about you, um, where you're from, how you guys started into this business. and Sure. Uh, I... You know, I this is my least favorite part of interviews. It's like, how how did you get your start in Hollywood? And it's <laughs> again, everyone's has their own path. I went, I would say almost the academic path. I studied theater and film in college, um, among other things, but that's what I ended up graduating with. And it was there that I was like, yeah, editing is something I can do for hours and hours and not get bored and not stay engaged. And all of a sudden it's like, all right, you have to leave the editing lab. And it's like, what? I've been here for six hours. I'd never really done anything like that where you sort of go into almost a trance mode, you know, and you you're thinking 
emotionally, you're thinking technically, and time just goes by. So um, that really was what I gravitated to most of all the film and acting and directing classes I took. I went to Chicago after that. Um, not really sure what I was going to do. I kind of acted a little bit. I directed a lot. I kind of dabbled in a lot of stuff and was mostly a PA on sets. You know, <laughs> I was getting nowhere. And then I was like, I really do want to pursue this full time. It's not going to happen in Chicago. And so I went to AFI and I got my master's degree in film editing from AFI. And from there, I worked um, in as an assistant on various projects and started in f- independent feature films or low budget feature films, I would say. And eventually that transitioned into working into television. And so I've been working, I worked as an assistant for about 15 years, a lot longer than I had hoped or planned, but that's the way it goes. And uh, so now I'm, I always thought of myself as an editor from graduating AFI. I thought of myself as an editor, but then you realize you don't just come out of film school and say, I'm an editor and everyone, you know, a believes you or trusts you or, you know, has a job for you. So my, I had a long assisting career. Um, and then in the past, I would say six or seven years, I mostly just edited and, in both television and feature films, and I've actually done documentaries, et cetera. So here I am. How did you come out feeling out of AFI? I mean, where you're like, yeah, I'm going to go out there. I'm just going to start editing. I mean, what was your approach? Or, I mean, did you know how to, you know, start your career um, right away? Uh, well, AFI has tra- changed a lot. When I, when I was there, I won't give the year, but it was a long <laughs> time ago. Um, there was no after-graduation placement not that that's their job it's not a technical school but there was no mentorship program there was no internship there was nothing it was kind of like feeding you to the jackals it's like good luck goodbye don't forget to pay off your college debt there was literally nothing all we had as editing they're called fellows um were each other like if one person heard heard about a post PA job or an assisting job, they would, we, we just stayed in contact with each other. And I, some people were like confident, like I'm an editor. I was not, I mean, I, I felt confident in my editing skills, but I didn't feel confident going out. Like I can cut a television series. I knew I was going to have to go in as an assistant and I wanted to. The thing is AFI is all about, um, the artist, and the, not the auteur theory, like the director does everything, but everyone's an artist and it's all scripted narrative projects that you work on. And it wasn't the nuts and bolts of like, you, here's how to be an assistant. Here's how to set up a, a project, you know, and a bin structure. And here's, you know, here's the politics of the cutting room. That, that was not it. Everyone cut their own projects. You you organize the project however you want. So we weren't really prepared to, to be an assistant. So there was a big learning process to how to be an assistant, how to be a feature assistant. And this was back in the day of film. So there's there's a whole area of knowledge you don't really need anymore. How to be an assistant on scripted television. Reality was just burgeoning. Like it was, there was a lot that wasn't 
that I wasn't really prepared for. I felt confident as an editor. I didn't feel confident as an assistant. I'm like, I can cut your scene. I just, you know, I'm not super strong at like optical pull lists, you know? So it was, um, it was almost like they were preparing you for the second part of your career, you know, for when you'd start editing, not for when you directly got out. And it was just a lot of trial by fire and learning on the job and, contacting other people when you did get a job like yo how do i do that you know how do i do blah 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 i have no idea and then them sort of helping you do you think uh things work differently now um i think by and large it's still the same it's still hustling and it's still interpersonal as much as people it's hard to swallow it is interpersonal relationships it's like who do i know and who knows me and who trusts me. And um, a lot of that trust is built up from actually working with other people. You know, the thing is, you go to as many things as you can physically interact with people. You go to panel discussions and, you know, approach the panelist afterwards with a genuine question, not a hi, here's my card or here's my, here's my resume or like, let's be faced with, just ask with a genuine question. You can find them later and follow up and say, it was nice meeting you. You know, um, if you're in, again, this is skipping way ahead. If you're in the guild, there are networking events, there are, uh, mixers and you got to go to those. You just, you just have to. And it's not for, anything other than genuinely meeting people. If you don't like people in general, it's going to be hard. You have to be somewhat engaged by people. You know, if you're completely antisocial, it's going to be a rough road. But I think of all my networks, all the people that I think of as my network people, I do know them. I, I, I do know them. If I had more time, I'd Spend more time with them. So you're building a, a friendship, is to me. Um, and that's where the trust comes in. And it's not like you're stalking these people. You're, you're genuinely interested in their lives. Where it seems a little cynical is you are selectively picking people. You know, like, you're not just picking anybody. You're like, I want to befriend this editor. I want to befriend it. You know, it's, you're strategic about it. But everybody in L.A. is strategic. You know, you're not being a jerk. But um, that's what I think is the most helpful, because if I have a conversation with somebody, I'll remember them. If somebody sends me a text via email, I may not remember them. So it's really going out and meeting people. The other thing is there's um, Film Independent. You can be a member of that. They have panel discussions. They have whole um, seminars if you're an editor that you can go and present your work like five minutes of it and just pitch yourself as an editor who's available to work to whoever wants to is looking for an editor. So there's my thing is meeting people in person as much as possible. And that's, you know, I, I don't have a list of where to go, but joining this podcast is one of them. Do you know what I mean? You're going to have other people on there and people will be able to reach out from there. It's, it's a, it's what I, it's like the slow burn approach to meeting people. So my one caveat is it's, it takes time, you know, you're, uh, unless you're born into a family that's already in the industry, it's going to take time unless you 
you know, the first right out of school, you've got a friend who's a who's a killer script and it turns out to be, you know, an Academy Academy Award winner. It's going to be a slow process of of just getting to know people. And full disclosure, you know how I got my very first job? Uh, it wasn't paid. My very first job at AFI was at, when we graduated, one of the uh, senior people that had already graduated, I guess it was, we were at the end of our first year and this person had finished their second year. So they were leaving and this woman s- spoke and about what the program meant to her and it was wonderful. I, She was a lovely person and I, you know, she seemed very uh, genuine, you know, she'd graduated from the producing program and I was like, wow, she's, you know, that's a really cool person, whatever. I had another year of school. I graduated. I was like, I have no job. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm in line at the bank of America cashing a check or whatever. And she was in front of me and I'm like, pardon me, are you? And I said her name. She's like, yeah. I'm like, I went to AFI and you spoke at our graduation. She's like, oh, cool. What are you? We had this, it was a long line. So we had like a 10 minute conversation. And um, at the end of it, she's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm directing a short and I already have an editor, but he might, you know, need an assistant. Um, get, I think she said, mail me your resume. I mean, this is, you know, email was not around, but um, she said, give me your phone number and uh, I'll, I'll give him a call. And a week later, he called me. We talked. I had no real resume to speak of. And I ended up assisting him on this short film for about, it was probably three or four weeks. And um, it, you know, it was one system. He was there during the day. I was there over, overnight, but there was an overlap. And um, that was my first job. That's how I got my first job. The editor is a huge editor now. He was very well known, but he does like big, huge action, multi-million dollar, you know, films. Yeah. I haven't really, I see him every once in a while. I see him online. I had a great experience working with him, but it was literally, I recognized her from a year ago and just spoke up and introduced myself. I wasn't looking for a job, but that's what came of it. So it's those kinds of things. So it's like, I saw you on this panel. I heard you on this webinar. You know, you have an entree into getting to know somebody, not, Hey, I saw you on this webinar. Take my car. That's going to get you nowhere. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I've gotten jobs. I mean, I got a job on a feature film from a five minute conversation I had with someone while I was ordering, ordering a beer at a, at a bar. And, and it was just because, I think I said, I don't know how we realized that we both spoke Spanish and we were like, hey, what's up? And you, and you, you speak Spanish. Where are you from? And oh, yeah, I'm an editor. And then like a month later, uh, he hired me as his assistant on a on a union feature film. I mean, that's how yeah. it happened. <laughs> so how is that net- like under what in what world is that networking? Would you ever say to somebody, go to a bar? It's basically no, just <laughs> being, being aware, being just being being engaged and aware and when the opportunity comes up to meet somebody in person that you've seen before or whatever don't be shy about taking that chance to get to know them to introduce yourself and how you know them um yeah because that's that's like you and i it's just you see somebody in a random place 
and it happens. Again, that's not the roadmap, but those are examples. And this is why I push so much the soft skills through the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program, because it's like, yeah, like you said, you have to be social. You have to be out there talking to people. I mean, one of the biggest pieces of advice that I got from a, a big editor was don't be the quiet one. Because I've seen people that are the quiet ones and that don't get those opportunities. Like I said, if you're really anti-social, if you're not, that's a, that's a big, it's like you're dragging an anchor on the bottom of the ocean with you. It's, it's, it's going to be very hard for you because, um, you know, I think editors are some of the most social people, even though we're in a edit bay all, all day long, they're some of the smartest, funniest, insightful people and, you know, it's just they don't have an opportunity to express that. So once they do, once they do, it's like, you know, they get they exactly. <laughs> Oh, my God. Editing mixers are the loudest events I've ever yeah. been to because <laughs> we never get to see each other. You know, exactly. it's always like this massive party and it just becomes it's 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 a madhouse. So it's I, I agree with you. It's people. I mean, I can just tell you are going to go far in your career because of who you are as a person. You know what I mean? The fact that you're doing this podcast, you're reaching out to other people, you're reaching out to other people as your guests, you're reaching out to, you know, you're, uh, you're an engaging person. And, and that, you know, that seems antithetical to being an editor, but it, it is a soft skill that if you don't have, you need to do, you need to develop it because it's it's very crucial. <laughs> no, no, totally. Um, I totally agree. What are some steps you took then to become a full time editor? I was one of these people that took the jump. I'm like, I'm not assisting anymore. Uh, full disclosure, I did go back to assisting, but you know, <laughs> when I had to. But I'm like, I am going to call myself. I'm going to say I'm an editor, right? And so. When that happened, I didn't go from being a, an assistant editor on a hit network show to a, an, an editor on a network show. That was not bumpy. I didn't have mentors. The, the show I was leaving, nobody, you know, the, that editorial head was not supportive of me leaving and going, you know. So I was kind of out on my own and I went to work independently meaning on independent features, on, on independent shorts, on inde uh, independent anything as long as it was scripted. And in those situations, you're your own assistant. So that 15 years of whatever, uh, being an assistant was not wasted because I used every single skill I had er learned as the editor. Because on these independent projects, it's like you, you needed an assistant. Who, we don't have the budget. What does an assistant do? Blah, blah, blah. If you're able to take on that project and do everything, you're going to be like the golden boy on that project. So it, it assisting is not a useless and in, in endeavor. Um, but it is hard to know when you're done focusing all your energy on being an assistant at the same time, as, as, as you said yourself, there is a lot to learn. And um, especially if you're going between genres, there are slight variations, you know, being an assistant on a feature is different than being an assistant on a drama, which is different from being an assistant on a, on a sitcom with a live audience that they, they all, it's all the same 
generally the same things, but the terminology, the protocol, it's all slightly different. So um, I, I wouldn't say enjoy, you know, relish being an, an assistant because um, it's fun. I would say learn the craft because it's going to help you. And um, when you do get opportunities to cut, take them. If it's a scene, if it's a, you know, last week on, if it's a flashback, just do it. Don't, I wouldn't say cut whole scenes for the editor and not get, you know, acknowledged, but um, take those opportunities. And if they're independent, you know, if, you have, if you're cutting a short film for $400, then you're cutting a short film for $400. $400. You don't have to do one to the exclusion of the other. It's a hustle. It's exhausting. You know, you may not want to, but um, the more as an assistant that you continue engaging in editing, regardless of what it is, the, the, the easier it is to make the decision to not to focus not on assisting because you're like, you know what? I, I This is the weekend. I'm exhausted, but I worked on this short for like eight hours solid and I loved it. You know, and then on come Monday, it's like, oh, I'm back to transcoding dailies or scripting stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's they have their different qualities or whatever. But if you really want to edit, you 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 can you can do both. I mean, you can it's hard, but but you can. And the other thing is, again, it's all this networking that soft networking, you know, hard networking, whatever it is. I, you know, if you're introducing somebody new, obviously you say your name and you introduce yourself and then you say, you don't say, well, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm in reality, but I really want to be inscripted. That's deprecating. Don't say that. You should be proud that you're working in this industry. Just say the second half of that, like, and I'm looking to get into scripted. You don't have to, you don't have to bemoan reality. That's a hard, that's a hard job. So from the get go, you're introducing people to the idea that you want to be inscripted and whether I want to get into scripted as an assistant, or I want to get into scripted as an editor and put it out there, you know, don't be pushy, but let people know where you stand. The second, first or second question out of anybody's mouth at any of these mixers is like, so what are you working on? You know, so it's not unnatural for that to come in. And I would just let everyone know that that's what your interest is in. I wouldn't hound them and say, you know, will you hire me on the spot, but let people know. Yeah, one of one of the things that we used to sell ourselves is obviously our resume. So someone that is, say, a reality assistant that only has, say, reality or scripted credits. Um, how, how, what advice would you give uh, to someone in that position that is trying out to, to present themselves as someone who can do the scripted job? Well. Um if you have no scripted experience, it's, it's very, it's very hard. That comes from just a personal connection of knowing somebody and somebody willing to go to bat for you and trust you. If you've got, you know, one or two, it's a little easier. The, the first thing, and this might be obvious, but you have to be in the union 
Well, there's a lot of reality shows that are that are not union, and um, sometimes reality assistants say, like, should I be in, should I join the union or not? The answer is yes. If you want to be in scripted television, join the union. I know it's it's a hassle. There's a lot of requirements you need to meet, especially for being on the roster. It's expensive. Do it. Because if I want to hire an assistant, I can't wait for you to get your paperwork together and, you know, figure out a payment plan. By that time that I've already found somebody else. So, A, you have to be in the union and put that on your resume. I know that's a basic, but um, if you're not in the union, get in the union. Uh, however you need to do, do you know, how, what, however you work it out with the hours and the payment, the initial payment. Um the other thing is putting if you don't if you have very few credits, the you're obviously going to put your most current scripted project first. And you're probably not going to list it out. You're probably not going to separate it as like features, scripted comedy, scripted draw. It's going to be like television work or feature work or just scripted television. And you put your most current one first. Unless nobody's heard of it or it, it's never come out, you know, like it's a feature that no one ever saw, then, you know, you might want to reserve that. But you're basically putting your most recognizable stuff first because you don't have a long list of stuff um, in that category. And it's really, uh, I mentioned to you this before, it's like names. It's the name of the show first. People are going to skim over this. Editors who are looking for assistance, editors who are looking for editors, APs who are looking for there. It's like the show name. Do they know the show name? No. Bing. The next thing they're going to look at in television is who is the EP? Who is running the show? If they don't know that person. The next name they're going to look on that first credit is who is the AP? Because if they're an AP, it's like, oh, maybe I know them. They don't know them. If you're an assistant editor, it's like, who is the editor? Maybe I know them. If you strike out on all of those, it's like, well, what network was it on? You know, it was, it was on Netflix. Okay, fine. I don't know anybody, but at least I know Netflix. So that will continue them to your next credit. And again, it's what's, do I know the name of the show? Who do I know on that show? Do I know the name of the EP? Do I know the ape? You know, it's, it's, and the more points of connection there are, the more likely you're going to have an opportunity to get an interview. What you don't want to do real sometimes reality people there's a title called junior editor which that's not a thing in scripted. It's it's actually not even a thing in the union. There's no junior editor classification. So don't put junior editor because any scripted editor is going to be like what the hell's a junior editor, you know? Don't put that. Either put editor if you were really editing um, or put assistant editor. So the other thing you don't want to put, um, anything that's untitled, like untitled something, something project. That's not really helpful because that's, there's obviously, there might be a network listed, but obviously no people know that that never went anywhere. What you do want to put, if that's the case is put it as a pilot, like the untitled something, something pilot, um, because then it's like, oh, pilot means television. That means it was for television. That means you know what television, scripted television is. Who cares if it doesn't air? Lots of pilots don't air. Um, and then 
the as I was telling you earlier, the the last thing if you have any scripted experience, you want to put is like shorts because that is scripted and you you were probably the editor or even for me, even the assistant on that, but it's um, it signals a different type of uh, career or, or work history. And so it kind of comes up as <clears throat> like you're fresh out of graduate school, you know, and it, it's helpful. That's, that's great. But I would put those towards the bottom. If at all, even if you have as an assistant, if you have two, scripted credits and the and the rest are reality that's quite an accomplishment do you know what i mean especially if it's been something that aired then it's a huge especially if it aired on netflix or something hulu or something like that so you want to gauge especially if you're starting out as an assistant if you've got at least two of those two of those credits um let's say you only have two you're going to go you're going to list first the one that's the most recognizable, the name of it. And then the second one would be the one that's less recognizable. You know what I mean? Anything on Netflix is going to trump anything that's a web series. It's just, it is. So you're going for the most impressive credits first by name only, not impressive how much work you did because nobody knows how much work you did, but that's that's how I would structure it. How you get that first scripted job, I don't know. You know, it's that again, that path is twisted. But you know, even if you have just two credits, that that's what I'm gonna look at. That's what everybody's gonna look at. APs, they're, they're skimming names, just names. And um, you know, you don't really have to list the directors unless they're super famous. You know, the other thing in, in that re- reality editors do is if they're on a s- scripted show um, or on, on a reality show, sometimes they won't list the editor. And in, as an, an assistant editor on a scripted resume, if you don't list the editor, it's like you're hiding something, you know, like because in scripted television, you as an assistant, you work for an editor. You, you are that person's assistant. Whereas in reality, you're, there's a bunch of assistants that never even meet the editor. So if you list a, jo- a job, even if it's reality, you should list um, the producer and the an editor. Pick one editor, one editor of all of them that that you can put down because even though you're, even though in reality, it's like, I never really work with that editor. Scripted people are used to seeing on an assistant's resume, who was the editor. They want to see that name as somebody they might recognize. Even if it's reality, they still want to see who the editor was. Even if you didn't really work with that editor, that's a format that they're used to seeing. So that's how I would gauge it uh, from, from an assistant and from an editor standpoint, if you've got two credits, that's what I would, it's more the, uh, what is the most recognizable by name of the show or by the people, not necessarily chronology, what came first, not necessarily how hard you worked. That's how I would begin to structure it. That's amazing, amazing advice, Mark. I mean, that's something, I mean, that's very insightful. I mean, I don't, 
Uh, yes, I am going to send you my resumes. You can take a look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because no one, I don't, I mean, this is amazing. Like, I mean, there's not, a, I mean, I think I certainly had a bunch of questions about how to, to write my resume when I was starting out. I have multiple, multiple versions, uh, you know, of it. And yeah, I don't think it, there's a lot of information on it specifically for, for, for this industry. I think we need to be, you know, out there kind of sharing this information. And, and, and because I know people have a lot of questions Oh, another, uh, don't put dates on anything. Don't I, put dates on anything. That's what I tell people. Don't put dates. I mix and match. You know, I put, I put a pilot that I cut for ABC in 2014 as like the third thing. Because I had a huge, like the biggest sitcom director, Jimmy Burroughs, directed. He directed Friends. He directed Cheers. You know, like it was a pilot. But that's way up there because it was for ABC and it had a huge director. Is that chronological? No, but you know, that for for people looking at that resume, they're going to see the name of the show. They've never heard it. They're going to see the director. They're going to see the network and be like, oh, okay, that's a legit thing. So um, yeah, dates, dates are for like corporate America, or if you're getting like a post PA, like I did this job from here to here. Screw dates. They are going to bite you in the butt every day. Don't put the date of your education don't put the date, you know, don't, yeah, dates are what I would suggest avoiding dates at all costs. Um, because, you know, there is a, there is a art to what you want to present first. And, you know, your best foot forward might've been a job you did three years ago, not what you just did now. So yeah, that's another tidbit. That's great, Mark. I mean, I mean, I, I see what you're saying about though, the names. I mean, I'm in a position where next to a post producer, where I've handed them, I recommended someone and they have the actual resume in their hand and they grab a pen and they went circling the yeah. people, the people that they knew. And he, and that's what he did. Just circled all, you know, it was probably three people on there, but that's what he did. Do you know how long they look at a resume for? About 15 seconds, you know, and, and if you don't have MPEG local 700 at the top, that's already something that, it's like, oh my God, now I have to call and ask that you just, you want them to glide as far down that resume as they can. And even for reality um, assistance, put the most popular reality show you worked on, not the most recent one. If you've worked on a bunch of stuff nobody's heard of, but you worked on the Titan games or so, or whatever, you know, put that first. It's the name thing. <laughs> it is it's name recognition. I mean, that's as Hollywood as it gets. And it's not, and it's not, you know, it's not lying, but again, your resume is just to get the interview. And Hey, if you've got the, if you've got six circles on your resume and another guy has two, who's he going to call first? The person that he circled six names that he recognizes. And that's not evil. That's not mean. That's just the way that it is. That's the way, you know? that's the way it works. And the other, the, the good thing, the good and the bad thing is that, you know, if you don't know anybody, a resume is, it doesn't say your race. It doesn't say your sexuality. It doesn't say your anything. It's literally, who do I know? And then when you get to the interview, then they can be presented with, again, your race, your age, you know, all of that later. But um, if it's just, if it's just a names game at the beginning to get the interview, it's almost better. One thing I want to go back to is is the indie film world and working on indie films. Um, I certainly did it. 
um, I learned how things function and uh, as I went or and don't function. Or don't is- fun- <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just trial and error. And um, but you haven't been uh, having worked in that world. Any advice or any things that people can look out for if they're working in those types of projects? Uh, caveat emptor, like buyer beware. You have to um, you have to know that you are oftentimes dealing with people that might be doing their first or second production that don't fully understand the needs of editorial or how much time is needed or how much is budgeted or how much you're really asking the person to do. So you really have to take all those jobs with a grain of salt and be ready to have it potentially be a disaster. I've worked on several and one was awesome. I got along with the editor and they had money um, to pay me. I mean, it was a, it was a limited amount, but it was, it was agreed upon. Um, and the editor really appreciated what, appreciated what I was doing. I felt like I was really collaborating and contributing. I got along with him. Great. Um, both checks bounced. I mean, <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't, and uh, there was the excuse of like, Oh, I thought the money was there. I thought the money wasn't, you know, and they, and that's infuriating. It's like, talk about a lack of respect, but they did eventually, there were no lawsuits involved, but eventually I did get paid. Um, and this is with a producer I knew <laughs> personally, I'd worked with him on another project. So be ready for things like that to happen because the end goal is a completed project that hopefully gets into a festival or gets released and has a relationship formed. Um, I was I, the last feature film that I, I did. I, um, it was remote. They'd already shot it months before and I cut the footage and I worked mostly with the producer and it was great. And I really did help the project in ways that they, they didn't really think I, I would. Um, I did get paid, but, uh, I still don't have a final copy of the film and it was done seven months ago. So it's like, and yes, I listed on IMDb cause it's, it's, it's done. I can show it to people. I just don't have the final mix, the final cut, you know, it's like, what kind of producer does that? You know? So you have to just be prepared <laughs> for it, for it to ultimately have a bad taste in your mouth, but that hopefully will achieve your goal, your goal of having a completed work and a relationship. Now, I, you know, I, it's dicey, the relationship I have with this last producer, but you know, she can't deny that I did a good, a great job as an editor. You know what I mean? Like she can't deny that, but am I, is she going to be the first person I list as a reference? No, it's going to be the other guy, you know, that was this, it was a silly movie, but it was a great relationship that I had. So, um, unfortunately that person never went on to do it. He left the industry and did something else, but, um, you gotta be ready for the whole range of work from being your own assistant to them 
screwing you over for money to having a great relationship out of that, you know, that, and they go on to do future things to them uh, at the, you know, towards the end of locking picture, they think you're stealing the picture and you're taking it away from them. And they, you know, they demand to have all the dailies and the media because they're paranoid that, you know, there's a, I've been through it all. <laughs> so it's, it's tough, but um, it, there can be rewards and they're, 99% of the time, not financial. They are the relationships you build. They, there's a final piece of work. You can pull a scene for, for a reel or something like that. So <clears throat> the, the reality is you have to prepare for that financially. And I know this is a big point of view of sort of living within your means, budgeting yourself when you're working, saving so that a, either A, you hit a patch of unemployment and you need that to carry you over or you take the leap as an assistant and say i want to cut this indie feature i'm going to make peanuts but i have the money to uh, i'm sort of funding myself from my savings to in order to do this for this to happen i did that as an editor i was like all right this independent features coming up and it's a drama. I'm going to do it. I have money saved. So for this feature film, I get paid $5,000, whatever, you know, like I'm supplementing my own income. I'm investing in my editing career by saving and living within my means so that I can do this, you know, that I can cut, you know, a web series that I really do want to do. I mean, I'm really, you know, I, the web series I'm still finishing up. I say, I really wanted to do this. I really liked the the material. I had to interview. I got the job. Again, I'm getting paid. It's like a turn now. It's like ten dollars a day or something. But um, you know, I've also saved money to do that. So it's um, it, it, the independent world is very almost impossible to sustain financially. So you need to sort of support yourself to do that. That's horrible, but um, that's if you really want to do that, if you want to go from assisting to editing, if you want to go from editing reality to scripted, that's that's a viable path, but the cost is financial. Yeah, when I was trying to transition into scripted, I realized that I, you know, would have to make sacrifices in order to to save money because that was what was going to allow me to work on 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 the types of projects that was going to give me the right experience. And so even and now, you know, I, I still watch my spending. You know, I, I I try to to not spend money on, on on things I don't need. Stop buying all those sneakers. I mean, come on. <laughs> wait, 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 have you been reading my articles? <laughs> but but I do think uh, we can develop spending habits that will help us get on the right projects. Well, uh, yeah, I I mean, I've always lived on pennies, you know, through college, I had a job in college and, uh, coming out here, I was, you know, I've lived in a tiny little studio apartment. I mean, like I've, I've never lived up to what I could yeah, financially. I mean, I could have a nicer apartment, but, um, 
it's fine. It's functional. You know, I could have a nicer car. It's functional. It's, it's serving the function of allowing me to continue to be an editor, you know, because let's be honest that not there. I don't, there are very few editors that work year round 365 days, days a year. They're all on unemployment at some point. There's no shame in that in assistance. That's, that's just how you do it. I think the the tricky part of that equation, and this is not involved me is yes, cutting back on your spending, yes, setting a budget. But there's a lot of people out there that are married and have kids or kids that are going to college that it's like, you know, screw you. I have, you know, I have way more expenses. This, you know, this job doesn't pay enough. Da, 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 da. So I'm stuck in this job that I'm doing. You know, I can't, I can't parachute my savings, you know, for a year and go off and do an independent project. It is, I mean, again, it is a, it is a sacrifice, but, um, and I'm not saying you should not be in a relationship and not get married and not have kids to the exclusion of your career, but, um, it, it, it is, a, it is an important thing to, to weigh. Let's face it. Everybody can't work on blockbuster features it's just they can't everybody can't, everybody can't work in scripted television it there's not there's not enough jobs so i don't know it's 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 a it's a difficult thing to tell somebody to limit their spending when you don't know what their spending is for me i was able to do it and i still do it to this day i even still go back to assisting when i have to you know i'm not going to go back to assisting in the genre that i'm currently in but i would go if I, you know, I mostly do a lot of multicam comedies. And so it's like, yeah, I went, I assisted on a, an hour long drama. It wasn't, it was a fill in job, but, and it was temporary, but it's like, all right, I'll, I'll meet new editors. I'll meet new, a new AP. I'll meet like new assistants. Like I'm increasing my network. I'm getting paid. It lasts for three months. I'm not, and I don't have a job. Why not? You know what I mean? Like this is, like I said, everybody's trying to move to jockey into the position that they really want to be in. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all, if the, you still have, you always have to have a goal in mind, like for you, whether it's financial or career, you've always, you know, you at least have to set goalposts for yourself. Awesome, Mark. Well, uh, hey, you provided so much great information today. I mean, did I'm, I? I feel like I just got <laughs> No, this is a never ending podcast. <laughs> it, was a great, it was just great chatting with you here today, this morning. I mean, we, I think we could definitely keep going on and on. And I just appreciate you being part of the Hollywood Editing Mentor podcast and, and sharing your knowledge, sharing all this great advice. I know it's going to be helpful to a lot of people. I mean, I certainly, I mean, even me, I mean, I, I'm honestly, I hope I can send you my resume because I think you have some great advice. You made me see it in a ways that I had not seen it before. Well, thank, I mean, thanks for in, inviting me. I mean, thanks for having me as a, a guest speaker. I, you know, I guess this is part of helping other people. I mean, giving whatever advice I can. And uh, the check's in the mail, right? It's uh, my speaker fee is, <laughs> is my... about, it's by the minute. It's by the minute, so I'm going to make oh, man, bank. You're gonna, you're gonna, yeah. You're gonna, you don't have to work anytime, go back to work anytime soon. <laughs> Great talking to Mark Dash now here on the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Uh, great advice there. Some great tips. Some great tips on writing the perfect resume. Uh, I got to definitely make sure to 
to send them mine and, and, and have them take a look. Thanks for listening and supporting the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. I got more great guests lined up, so make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And I'd appreciate it if you left a review on iTunes. It will allow this show to help as many people as possible. And if you want more information on the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program, check out HollywoodEditingMentor.com. Thanks again for listening. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, the creator of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program. I'll see you next time.